welcome to Top 5, a show where we cut a rug, we 23 skidoo, we, we jitterbug, we jitterbug, and a whole lot of, lot of other things that millennials will never understand. This is Top 5. Dude, we're Generation X and we don't understand any of that. Oh, come on. We went through the 80s with the Stray Cat strutting and the uh, and the literal song Jitterbug. Greetings, Gate. <laughs> no. So, yeah. So we no. did all that. We had our 20s and 30s. Plus, uh, you know, when you don't have anything to watch on television, there was always a nonstop on the UHF channels, nonstop reruns of Three Stooges, The Little Rascals, and Abbott and Costello. So we got our 30s and 40s. Oh, don't forget the Bowery Boys. Yeah, oh. Topper. Yeah, so we got a we had a good healthy dose of the previous generation's entertainment when well, we were young. But still wrong. As always, top five suggestions from our listeners: top five things millennials will never understand. Top five things millennials won't understand. And I think this is not supposed to be mean spirited kind of thing. Um, when I was teaching oh, in college, dang. well, I mean, you may be mean spirited about it, but I don't think the intent was to be mean spirited. When I was in college, uh, somebody on the university every year would send out an email on the very first day of class and saying, hey, the freshmen in your class were born on this year. They have never known what a dot matrix printer is. They never knew anything about dial-up modems. They never knew anything about, they've never known a time without the internet. To kind of just put things into perspective about how far many of us who are older have come, which is why Rodrigo, Ashley, and Zach are not on are this week's not show. Involved. Yeah. yeah, because I I think it would be hard for I mean <laughs> I suppose they could have come up and, and Zach could have what said well things will we never understand yeah exactly so Matthew and I are here this week as old, old people to talk about top five things millennials will never understand yep. Matthew what is your number five so to you all of the kids all across the land there's no need to argue oh, millennials just don't understand man I'm gonna be interested to see what's on your list because I just thought of one that millennials will not have understood if I told you about it. Back when uh, the Fresh Prince was, I'm just, just gonna, a guy. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let it slide out here right now. Let me give you an example. Maybe this is on it, and if it's one of your top five, Matthew, I apologize. I will yell at you. But American Bandstand, you watch people <laughs> dancing on TV. What? I don't understand. Yeah, nobody does that. Yeah, my number five. Okay, is one of the. It, it really is a strange moment for me because. It's tied to an industry that I later became a part of, and now I fully understand why it happened the way it happened, but it still made me crazy. My number five thing that young folk will never understand is there was a time, my friends, when you wanted to hear a song, you had to put a cassette tape and record it off the radio. And if you got to the end and the DJ jumped in to do his weather report before the song faded out, then your recording forever had that DJ on it. Or even or, worse, Matthew, the yes. intro, if it had more than 10 seconds of, of music, right. if you have the DJ talking off that. Yeah, exactly. My daughter loves that because we'll be in the car and having been a DJ myself and, you know, don't do it the way ever. Um, I will sit there and she'll be like, okay, ramp up this song, ramp up this song. And usually I do pretty well, but we get to a point where you're 12. Or 11 in my case. You know, you're a young guy. You're trying to get your record so you can make a mixtape to send it to the girl you have a terrible crush on, who now is a 44-year-old ex-nurse. So uh, you may have even just given away your number four mixtapes. <laughs> but when you wanted to have the song, there was no Napster. There was no mm -hmm. iTunes. And, you know, honestly, in 1982, I'm not going to drive across town to the TGNY to buy a record. Oh, or to buy a another one. 
A Kassingle. A Kassingle, right? <laughs> I still own Kassingles, by the way. <laughs> I still have but, some 45, so there you go. You know, you, it, Kassingles were like 349 which is, in today's economy is like $1,100. Mm-hmm. So I would try to record the song off the radio. And the best way to do it was on in the nighttime, like Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday night yep. when it's all automated. But I remember trying to get a good copy of Phil Collins' song, the, the one that goes. Oh, you mean all of them? Yeah, that one. And the one where he's singing and it sounds like the kid from Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. All and I remember. What, yeah. What, what. But yes, and I could never get it because it has a great opening. And you can really, if you're a DJ, you can do what's called ramping up the song, which is keep your patter going for like the first 10 or 12 seconds of the song until Phil Collins cuts in. If you do it right, you can go KFHS and then boom, Phil Collins comes in singing. And it sounds like you and he were working together. Yeah, yeah, because that's exactly what it sounds like. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's a collaborative effort. Yeah, me yeah. and Phil Collins making yes. your evening a better yes, place. Phil but, Collins, who recorded an album a year or two before, right? You got on your college radio station. Collaboration does not have to be contemporaneous, <laughs> which is why my number five: recording songs off the radio so as you can hear them again. Without having to go and buy an entire album or God help you having to sit up and watch it on American Bandstand. My number five, I actually went to the uh, to the Twitter today to double check with everyone just to make sure that I was I was right in thinking that millennials would not understand this. If I was going out and going on a long trip or going with some friends to somewhere, my mom was always like, don't forget to put a quarter in your shoe. Hmm. And I was like, uh, uh, yeah, sure, mom, not a problem. There is this thing called collect call, mm-hmm. but I guess mom was too cheap to collect take a collect call. call. Mom, I'm okay. <laughs> but the reason why you had a quarter in your shoe was because if you were somewhere and you got mugged, you got robbed, they took your wallet and they took all your cash and your mugger money and all this stuff, you still had a quarter in your shoe to call home so you could let everyone know that you were okay or that you needed someone to come and pick you up. Steven's family had a very strict rule. If at first you don't succeed, pack your bags. Yeah, no. Uh, (laughs) And then somebody was like, oh, no, for when I was a kid, it was put, make sure you had a dime in your shoe. So there were people that were, that are even older than what we are that, that had gone through this. And the weird thing about this is it's not necessarily the quarter in your shoe. That is the thing millennials won't understand. It's the payphone. Right. Can you find a payphone? I cannot find a payphone in this town. Everybody today outside my office. Okay. But is it used ever? Yeah. Every once in a while, but it's because of the nature of my office and the location between the elevators and the cafeteria. Mm, okay. But it's, it's just one of those things that using a quarter to call home and having an emergency quarter is something yep. that I don't think a younger generation understands because even my son the other day was like, you know, dad, it should be much more convenient for me to just have a cell phone. <laughs> and I was like, you're never out of our sight. Why do you need yeah. a cell phone? You're never out of our sight. So my number five quarter in your shoe. <laughs> it's so he can play the Pokemon. Go. That's what he wanted it for. Yep. That's exactly why my number four is mm-hmm. not necessarily related to spatial awareness like your phone, but mm-hmm. it has a similar aspect tonight. I got off work. I came yeah. home. My kid came home. My wife came home. Mm-hmm. We sat. We had dinner. And we watched Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. We watched a cartoon on a weeknight Yeah, in evening primetime. And 
I said to her, you know, we couldn't do this when I was growing up, and she looked at me like a dog listening to a flute solo. Really? You didn't have a you didn't have a show called The Simpsons when you were growing up? I didn't because you that lie. was nineteen ninety one. No, I that was, was growing up in the eighties. No, that was like eighty eight, eighty nine. No. Because I remember watching that in my We were in college by the time The Simpsons came out. No. Yes. No, I don't. I, I, we went to college in 1989. Dude. Yeah. And I'm saying I was watching Tracy Ullman and watching oh, well, The Simpsons on Tracy Ullman. That doesn't count. That's a variety show. Okay. That's not a cartoon show. When I was a so kid, you're saying you, you, never, a cartoon you never watched Simpsons in primetime. You had to either watch it at 2.30 when you got off of off school and you get like the syndicated Bugs Bunny, or you had to go and watch it on Saturday morning. First episode and air date, December 17th, 1989. Number four. Yes, December 17th, 1989 was my 18th birthday. We were in college. No, now, we weren't. Yes, we were. We graduated high school in May of 1989. We met in the summer of 89. We went to college. All right, if you say so. I do say so. If I have my so. college, my high school diploma. Okay, it's in my say office. So. If you say Don't so. My number four is the fact that at one point in the past, kids, television you're, you're shows five? were only you're available. Four, okay. This is my number four. Okay. Pay attention to the show. What? Television shows were only available in certain time frames. Mm -hmm. Saturday morning was cartoons. Sunday morning was all religious programs. And if you wanted to watch a particular show, you had to wait until it was on. There was no binge watching. There was no, I'll catch it on DVR later. Oh, no. You had to wait for, for something a called a rerun. Right. Summer rerun. And you had a VHS machine, you might be able to record it, but even then your tape could get warped or destroyed or you could have poor timing. Oh, yeah. You had a Betamax and you're trying to record yeah, a two-hour right. two movie. I still have liquid television on VHS in the house. I don't have a working VHS player, but I have it. And, and if I wanted to, I could just hold it up to the light and look at it. But there was a time when if you wanted to watch, say, your Seinfeld, it had to be Thursday night at 8 mm -hmm. p.m. Or Cosby or whatever like that. Yeah, yeah. and there, there, there were VHS copies available, but there was no such thing as like a DVD of a season. No, no, because that would be too much for, for one VHS. You know, it's interesting because I was going to put VHS down on my list, yeah. but you think that, you know, with the Hipster technology. Like VHS, it's like the vinyl. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Millennials would know VHS because millennials were born basically the same year that DVDs uh, came out. So like 95 96. So while DVDs have always been around, VHS just would last it until 2001 or something like that. So, I mean, our Hastings, even though it's going out of business, still had a rack of VHS stuff to sell. So I couldn't put VHS on my list. But yep. I did put I did put on my number four something that I looked forward to every time we would go to the Alco or the Walmart. Mm -hmm. Because even though we didn't have a lot of video games back in the 80s, even though there seemed to be a lot of video games, even though there seemed to be a lot of, of other distracting entertainments out there there wasn't anything called the internet but there were books and one of my favorite books of all time to read <laughs> yeah those millennials will never understand a book <laughs> choose your own adventure <gasps> oh where they still, they still have those no you can still find them but they don't make them they they don't make choose your own adventure books anymore Wow. Yeah. They, the run, I think there was like 180 some uh, books written in that series. 
but they were crazy. I mean, there was like, hey, you're the race car driver. And then, you know, you'd read this little passage about uh, you're driving down the street and suddenly you hear a pop. Uh, do you get out and look or do you keep driving? And then you and it said, if you decide to keep driving, turn to page 27. If you decide to get out and look, turn to page 48. And then you turn to page 48 and it would say, ah, you got out of your car, but you got run over by another driver. The end. And go back you and die start the beginning. screaming. <laughs> And so it was very hard sometimes to actually make it through the adventure all the way, but you got to choose it. And the cool thing was you could read it again and again and again and again, and the adventure could come out a little bit differently. All in these little, probably like 80-page books. Uh, so much fun and so wonderful. But if I mention choose your own adventure to somebody, they kind of look at me like, what are you talking about, old man? So that is my number four. Well, in their defense, I look at you and say, what are you talking about, old man, on a Whatever. regular basis? Whatever. But my number three is related, but not identical to my number four. Mm -hmm. My number four was about television shows at specific times. My number three is specifically about a television show that you could not avoid. And that is a presidential address. Mm. In the 1970s and 1980s, there were three network channels. You were lucky you might have a UHF or a a super station. Yeah. Yeah. But if the president was on, a presidential address would interrupt the three main networks everything. and it would interrupt everything that was on. And, you know, President Carter or President Reagan would come on and he'd be like, well, how are you? I can't do a Ronald Reagan impersonation, but here's Eugene Merman. And he would talk. And if there was like a huge thing, if there was something big going on, it could take the in- just wipe out the entire oh um, yeah sure yeah and it's not like you could go oh well i'll just go and sit no 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 no. you had to go and listen to the tape that you recorded by hand where you have to listen to the dj talking at the beginning and the end or oh i don't know how many people did this this might be a millennial thing too or before vhs you held your tape recorder up to the speaker Mm -hmm. of your television to Mm -hmm. record the first broadcast of the muppet movie on broadcast television or yeah, my grandmother actually recorded roots that way. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah, she was a she was a teacher and she had one of those big like heavy duty reel to reel tape recorders with a professional grade mic and she put it right next to her giant Magnavox TV and recorded all of roots on audio. Yeah, no, I did that with a Muppet movie so I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. And you remember, you know, in the 80s during like things like the Iran hostage crisis, mm-hmm. the president would be on TV regularly. And so it would wipe out an entire night of the love boat. And, and when you're 11, unless you're on the West Coast, in which in which case, enjoy your movie. Right. And you know, I'm not on the West Coast, but the presidential address mm-hmm. showing up and ruining everything on television, everything. Way to go, Reagan being shot. Interrupting everything. My number three is something that millennials will never understand. Uh, my number three is something my generation almost doesn't understand, but because I had a cool uh, physics, uh, math teachers in high school, a slide ruler. Now my dad had a slide ruler when he was growing up and had to use it for all of his calculations, computer programming and accounting and all these kinds of things. So we had one around the house, but I never really learned to use it. But in my advanced algebra class and in my physics class, both of our teachers took time, probably, um, probably a full year we were using slide rulers to do all, all of our calculations. So a slide ruler is basically like you've got an outside set of marks and an inside set of marks, and you would pull the inner uh, part of the ruler around 
to line it up with the calculations of what you were trying to do, and it would give you an answer from that. So it's like a computer that would solve cosine, sine, math equations, you know, higher multiplication things um, very quickly and easily if you knew how to use one. Today, if Mm -hmm. I showed you a slide ruler, you'd be like, what's that piece of plastic? What is that? And you'd be like, do I put a... Do I put a do I put a marshmallow on it and roast it over the fire? It's got a po- I, thing that po- points out. I got a thing that points out. What number three? The slide ruler. I don't. I don't even know what a. <laughs> you don't know what a slide ruler is? No, I do. I, I have just... forgotten. I have literally forgotten. Probably my second year in college, I forgot how to use the slide ruler. And I, I never of... knew how to use one, but my mm-hmm. grandparents always had them. Yeah, I thought they were awesome. My Slide dad had rulers it. and protractors and uh, those things where you clip a pencil in and you can draw a perfect circle. No, that's a compass. Yeah. That's not a slide it's ruler. A, but it's something like it and it was stored in the same drawer. <laughs> One draws a circle. The other does <laughs> logarithmic scale and allows for multiplication place. and division of numbers. They're in, yes. Okay. They're in the, the cabinet. Under the abacus, right next to the Disney uh, mm-hmm. college picture books. This yes. is my grandmother's house. Yeah. My number two? Are we at number two? Yeah, already? we're at number two. Oh, actually, there oh. is an, on, if, just as a follow-up to the slide ruler, I do believe that there is an online slide ruler that shows you how they work. So you oh, can cool. actually kind of see how they work if you want to see what, which rule. Which is kind of ironic seeing how you can just type in your equation into your... Um, address bar on your search engine and it will give you the answer i just wrote slide rule into my search bar and it says what are you stupid i'm a computer (laughs) exactly matthew you're number two my number two is actually a very important one and one that is very personally meaningful to me something that the kids today will not understand because i'll be honest with you these things change fashions change What's cool changes and it'll go in and out. But I feel like at this point in time, millennials will never understand a time when a mullet was cool. What are you talking about? Mullets are cool now. No, mullets are not cool. No, now. look, they got a new no, uh, got, MacGyver series coming out. That guy's got, got, a, got, got a weird mullet. He does not have a mullet. He's, he's going to have one of those big goat biker goat beards and he's going to have it all slicked back on top because that's what the kids today do. But even when you see mullets, like, you know, Joe Dirt is a relatively modern picture. It took place in this century, and it's making fun of the mullet. There was a time when John Stamos, with hair long in the back and short in the front, was the epitome of cool. Really? When, a, when was that? A Billy Ray Cyrus or a, a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme, with their hair like that, they were fashion icons. Even you get to a point, you go back to like the late 70s, Paul McCartney rocked a mullet with wings. These days, when you see them, they are either joke references to the past or they're an indication that the person you're going to see is a jerk like that uh, guy in uh, – what is it? Don't, the, don't. The, uh, pre- the, the movie about uh, vice principals. I don't oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, but he's got a mullet. He's got a mullet because the mullet marks him as a jerk because he's old and out of step. But don't you there brag about a, having a mullet? Yeah, I did. I had, I had a grand mullet. Okay. But – there was a time, if you go back and watch Lethal Weapon, Clint Eastwood, killer mullet, oh man. Oh, my God. And that was the way cool hair looked. And if you go and you watch The Lost Boys and you look at Michael, who's played mm-hmm. by the guy from Speed 2, mm-hmm. 
just a gorgeous, beautiful mullet. That, my friends, is the hair that I grew up with. And into like the late 90s, you even saw professional wrestlers with that haircut, but it it is now gone by the wayside. It is now a joke. It's it's to the point where you see that and you know it's terrible. People are like, oh, ha ha. It's the equivalent of, you know, when we were growing up, people with great big flare bell-bottom pants were mocked. Now they're cool again. But now the mullet, I don't, th- I don't think the millennials are going to see it. Maybe their children will see the mullet come back around. Maybe a mullet and like the uh, collarless jackets and members only shirts. I mean, swatches, swatch watches, yeah, watches would be good. But there was a time, my friends, there was a time. People probably can, don't know what a swatch watch is. You can grow your hair long in the back and leave it short in the front. You could be the president of the United States. He of didn't America. have a mullet. He not did. While, not he while just, he was president. He just hit it very, very well. My number two, something that eh, if you were a hipster enough today, you might be able to do it, but it's increasingly and uh, very uncommon. Having to mm-hmm. go get film developed. You take yeah. a bunch of pictures. You got to go to the get them to the developer. If you had enough money, you could do a 24-hour developer or a one-hour photo developer. But yeah. for the most part, you dropped them off. You came back in a week. You picked them up, and you hope that they all came out. It's not like today where you can just take a picture with your cell phone and instantly 10 million people all across the world see it. You actually had to wait. And then if you wanted to send it to people, you had to go get copies made and you had to pay for those copies sometimes at 23 cents a piece for color negative. Uh, And uh, and that's what you had to do because that's the way cameras and pictures work. So getting film developed is my number two, something that uh, I think most people today would not understand the concept of. Yeah, I don't do that. I've never done that. Nope, never did anything like that because I'm young and vital and, and uh, I'm relevant. Let's see. To the world today. All three of those totally false. Shut up. Young, relevant, vital. Yep. No. I will get up out of this chair. <laughs> I will drive sure across the state. Sure and you I will. will slap right. taste. And no one will be happy about it. When I get out of my chair, even I'm not happy <laughs> because I love this chair. This chair is my friend. My number one. All right, number ones. Number one. This is something fascinating to me because today I spent eight hours at my job. And during those eight hours, I had my uh, cellular telephone that I used to keep in touch with friends and long distance family and people on mm-hmm. the interwebs. Mm-hmm. I had my computer and I would check on like the Yahoo and, you know, TV tropes and Wikipedia. And I just, yeah. you know, go look up things. But there was a time. And it's, it's been within my lifetime. I've actually gone back and looked up historical events that happened while I was alive, generally before the age of about 24, that I have no recollection of. That's because you're old. But this is the thing. My daughter is 12. Yeah. She knows about things that she has no business knowing about. Like what? She Give me an example. Me Mario Kart. Like the SEX stuff? She tells me about the blue shells in Mario Kart because uh-huh. she saw it on the Tumblr. Oh, yeah, sure. Today, she told me about an actor, and I can't even remember who the actor was, but this is somebody that I knew from when we were kids who's all of a sudden a thing because he's playing the father of somebody on, like, Teen Wolf. But when I was younger, there was a time when I could – literally not know what was going on in a larger macrocosm world. I could sit and be completely ignorant of things around me for hours at a time. Because when the president came on TV, you'll remember, I turned off the TV 
because I didn't want to watch the president. And, and I waited. You didn't for like watch minutes. nightly news or anything like that. Entertainment tonight. No, entertainment you didn't tonight. Go read the maybe. microfiche of the newspapers. In my twenties. Oh, microfiche. That should have been my number one. When I was eleven or twelve, though. You know, that was that was the 1980s. We talk about all of these things that happened between, you know, 1976 and 1989. There are a lot of things that I just I have no personal perspective on. Mm. I know that they happened historically, but they did not affect me. No, and never, Son of Sam would not have affected you. They never interacted with my household because yeah. it was possible to not be aware of these things. Yeah. Last night on television, somebody gave a speech. And the details of that speech were being live tweeted by people. I mm -hmm. have not seen the speech, but I know what was in the speech. And I know that it was a lovely speech. And I believe that, hey, someday I'm going to go check that out. Five years ago, I would have been like, I don't know. Ten years ago, I'd have been like, eh. But when I was younger, I would have not known that there was a speech. I would not have known that there was an event to have a speech at. I certainly would have known. Would well, not you wouldn't have, known have had. You wouldn't have had every night uh, coverage of the of the convention. Exactly. And I think that millennials will never understand not knowing what's going on in a larger world, even if it's just Steven Universe fandom, even if it's just the guys that you hang out with on the internet your Pokemon Go friends, the people that you tweet at. These are people who exist far, far away from you. When I was a child, there was no way to talk to people far, far away from you unless you had what was called a pen pal. Yeah, pen pals. Where you would write a letter and you would send it to Washington. It would come back and it would say, I have a bull named Tarboy. And you'd be like, I don't know what any of that means. Those words do not have any meaning in this context. So I believe firmly that my number one is probably – not a good thing because I think that millennials probably have things a lot more together than some of us Generation so Xers did. What is your number one? Not knowing what was going on in the larger world. The, mm. the luxury of not knowing. Kids today don't and probably will never again have that luxury. You can ignore things. Mm -hmm. You can step away from it. But a 24-hour news cycle and – the social media and the break-ins and the fact that your phone will tell you news when you don't want it to. My phone breaks in with an emergency thing and says to me, this is happening now. Yeah, we get Amber Alerts. And, uh, yeah, you get Amber weather. Alerts, you get all this stuff. Yeah. When I was a kid, eh, I'm just going to go watch <laughs> the black hole again. When we were kids, our Amber Alerts were milk cartons, and we loved it. And scene. <laughs> That is pretty sad that our Amber Alerts, you know, you should go listen. There was a, I think it was 99% Invisible, had a fascinating, I think it was that show, had a fascinating bit on the milk carton uh, missing kid thing and how right. it wasn't as widespread as we think it was. It was right. I think, literally in one state or one region that they used it and it just kind of spread as this it, thing. It's it's like Aquaman talking to fish. It yeah. became It became an early example of a meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, my number one kind of flips back all the way around to my number five, and that is <laughs> the rotary telephone. Oh, I almost put that on there. Yeah, and I don't know because I'm I'm pretty sure that by the mid-80s, except for in my household, most people had switched over to some kind of a push-button dialer. Yep. Even, if it, even if you were still on an analog system, you could yep. push in the buttons and you could still hear the... Um, but the yep. rotary phone 
you get some weird looks like, well, how do you dial your number? Well, first you dial one and you swing it around until you hit the hook and then you let go. Then you dial the six and then you until it hits the hook and then you let go. And heaven forbid, if you're going fast and your finger accidentally slips halfway yep. through the move and you had to redial all again and you never called any of your friends who had numbers that were in the seven, eight or nine region <laughs> of the, uh, of the phone, because man, that was too forever. long to dial, man. Ka-chunk. Like five minutes. Ka-chunk. No, literally. What's your phone the, number? Nine, seven, oh, sorry. I'm never going to call. Friends. We'll never talk. We sorry. We never be friends, bro. We will never talk. I'm sorry. And then if it was long distance, uh. But rotary uh, phones, there's something. And I, I love rotary phones. There's a Bakelite uh, phone um, that was popular in the 1940s. The, you see it in all the detective movies. I, I love Lucy kind of phone. Um, those are perfect rotary phones. So I had one in my house. For oh, some wow. reason, we had a Bakelite 1940s phone that still worked. And it was this big old chunk of plastic um, that they had converted uh, to go into the wall. But it was still a four prong. And this is how old the phones are. Four prongs that you had to plug into the wall, into the phone outlet in order for it to work. We didn't have the little uh, the little phone cable like you're familiar with today. I don't know until my parents remodeled their house sometime in the my parents. Oh, here's another one that people won't uh, understand. Party, (laughs) Party lines. My parents, until yep. they remodeled their house, in fact, they may still be on a party line, uh, but no one else is on that line except for them. So it's really kind of their so exclusive It's a thing. small party. It's a small party. But, A, if you don't know what a party line is, you, you would have multiple people sharing the same phone line. So your neighbors down the street or someone two or three miles away might have the exact, not the same phone number, but the exact same phone line. So occasionally you'd pick up your phone to rotary dial your friend down the road to come over and play, and you would hear someone else's conversation and you would have to say, oh, I'm sorry, and then hang back up. Or if you were creepy, you would listen to the conversation. Or if it was an emergency like this one time, my sister got in a really bad accident, and mm-hmm. uh, we had to call the the hospital. And it's like you pick it up and someone was on, and you're like, I'm sorry, can you get off? This is an emergency. I have to call the hospital right it's an now. It's an emergency. Emergency. Woot, woot. So, yeah, rotary phones are just this weird thing, and I still distinctively remember the, the, the Bakelite phone that we had in the living room that – I think sometime in about 81 or so, it kind of just stopped working. Mm-hmm. Um, but a 40-year-old phone, hey, that's pretty good. But I remember the one in the kitchen, this um, – it's not uh, – it wasn't the um, – what are the big colors in the 70s? The uh, lime or the avocado and goldenrod. Yes. It wasn't quite goldenrod. It was kind of like a yellower color than goldenrod. But I remember distinctly over the years my mom buying these big, long extension cords for right. the phone. So that um, it'd be on the wall, but you could take the receiver and it'd be attached to a cord like 50 feet long and you could go Carry into the other it room. around the house. Yep. Yeah. And then if it ever slipped out of your hand, it was just like letting go of a slinky <laughs> all the way into the other room. So you want to my... hear this? This is this is my my last time I interacted with a dial up phone. Yeah. It's the year 2001. Yeah. That's why I'm... I was wondering if, if people still know what because av- I know they're still around, but. You just don't see I was them. working at WIBW when they were in their old facility up on the hill at Menninger Hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a dial-up phone in the master control area. Yeah. And we had a kid who was a really young kid who came in and was working for us. And occasionally you had to use that phone to contact somebody. Right. And uh, he, was, he, was, he picked it up and he looked at it and he looked at it. I'm like, Lopez, what's wrong? He's like. I don't know what this is. <laughs> so I'm like, you, you push the button down and then you go. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that is too much trouble. I'll just go get my cell phone out of the car. Yeah. But it was it was fascinating that it was still there, you know, from like 1954. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
just because our, our chief engineer happened to be a genius and could fix well, anything. And I think that as long right. as everything was still on the uh, POT system, the Plano television, uh, telephone system where you had the analog switches, those mm-hmm. phones will still work. But I think if you're wanting to get them to work today because of everything's digital, you have to have either an adapter or you have to get the phone modified or some way in order yeah, for you have it to, to work. I think you have to have the phone like completely modified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I love the, I wish I could find a new Bakelite, not new Bakelite phone. I wish I could find an old Bakelite phone that didn't cost an arm and a leg on eBay. So listeners, if you, you have one. like your cell phone in it. No, I would just set it on my desk because I think it's so great and they're heavy and they've got those bells and batteries inside for when it rings. You, can, you know, it's you use them to awesome. kill somebody like in that one episode of uh, yeah. Columbo. What else? What else? I mean, we, we got a little bit of a time. What other things, Matthew, just with kind of a rapid fire thing? What are some other things that millennials probably you know what my understand? kid will my kid will never know. What's that the price of a long distance call? Well, you still so have you, long distance phone call bills. I don't. My long distance is all part and parcel of oh, our service. Oh, okay. My cell phone. Oh, you has mean like no a per minute thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. if I would make a long distance call, my grandma would raise the roof because oh, it was yeah, like, like two dollars a, a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was huge. I'm I'm guessing Ooh. maybe not right now, but I'm guessing the millennial generation will look back at the kids that are you know 20 years younger than them, and they'll say, um, pornography in magazines and videotapes. <laughs> I was going to say that in magazines, because when I was a kid, you know, we had a magazine we found in a hedge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was the way you watched your porn, was you found it in a in a ditch somewhere, or you had a VHS somewhere that someone someone got. But now it's all over the internet. You don't have to, I mean, it's just right there. So You can't even avoid it. One of my coworkers accidentally used the wrong search term at work the other day and got yeah. a bunch of pornography. yeah. Just uh, a- Microfish is one that I said you probably would never see anymore because it's all being digitized. Yeah, uh, the uh, single, the, card, the cassettes, the card catalog, card catalog, man, those are gone, man. Yeah, you go and you had to actually know you'd go to the card catalog, find your topic, find your topic, or you could go in if you knew the author, mm-hmm. you could look for the author. Yeah, but you know, even that, I don't remember how card. Ca- I remember how they smelled, but I no, you'd I, go I, in if you went by if you went by author, you'd go in and you'd find the author's King, comma Stephen, and then it would list all the books that he had, and it'd tell you what shelf and what number, what uh, mm-hmm. what the Dewey Decimal in. number was, and then you would go write that down, and then you would go into the library stacks, and you'd go into that aisle, into that number, and and that marking, uh, and then you would find it. If you were looking for a topic like dinosaurs, you'd go yep. under the D's, and they'd have like every book or article that they had, articles including magazine articles, so you mm-hmm. know that they were updating that stuff constantly. And they would yeah. say whatever they had in, in, in circulation and you'd go and you'd find them. And so you may have, I remember even when we were in college, we had the card catalog system, uh, even mm-hmm. though they were trying to transition over to electronic where we'd literally have a sheet of paper where we would write down all the, all the numbers and we'd write 10 of them down and then go look and see if those books were even on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's really cool. What's Something that, that uh, today's children will never know. What's that? There was a time. When, when your car didn't have a seatbelt in it? My car? Yeah, that's true. We used to ride in the back, facing yes, backwards. Yes, yes, In, in a, uh, a station, station wagon. wagon yes. And the door flipped down. Yep. So if you actually bumped against it, it would flip down and you could just fly out onto the asphalt. Yep. But um, <laughs> there was a time when I was young when a Taylor Swift, a what do you call those pop stars? Pop the stars, manufactured yeah. pop star who didn't play their own music? Madonna? Was a Bad thing. Oh, yeah. 
No in the 70s, yeah, everybody made fun of the monkeys because the monkeys were put together for a TV show and right. also made music. Today, that's that's how you get famous. Mm-hmm. You be, you're on a TV show or you're on the X Factor mm-hmm. or you're on the Intar webs. And that's how you become a successful Taylor Swift singer is you are popular with people. And then they're like, oh, yeah, and he's also talented. I'm trying to think of a lot think of, about like this. I said, the, oh, did you ever have a mechanical calculator? Yes. The before my, before electronic calculators became really popular, and of course the real I remember um, like my parents bought an electronic calculator when in the early times. It's like twenty nine ninety nine for an electronic calculator mm-hmm. in the nineteen late seventies early eighties when twenty nine ninety nine would be like the equivalent of one hundred and fifty bucks today. Yeah. Um, but the mechanical calculator, you'd have these little dials, or at least the one that I I used and my mom used a lot was you'd have like six rows of, of dials that would go from zero to nine. And you, so you'd have your ones, your tens, your thousands, and then you would kind of set it for whether you're doing addition or subtraction. And then you would dial in the next number that you were trying to add on to. And then it would, it would display what the, what the result would be. And then you'd pull out this little uh, handle and it would reset everything back to zero. It's really cool. That is cool. Mechanical calculators. Yep, adding machines and stuff like that. Like I said, my grandparents uh, raised my sisters and I for a majority of the time. So we were exposed to really, really old stuff. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, what's this old stuff? It's from like the 1940s. But then, you know, once it was explained to you, you'd be like, oh, well, that's stupid. Do they still collect like newspaper strips in book form? I'm not talking about like old strips, like the peanut stuff, the old peanut stuff, mm-hmm. but do they like collect the new from the bleachers or something in a collected book form? Well, I know some of them do because I've seen um, uh, pearls to swine I've seen in collected. Ah, form. Okay. Okay. Because I remember that was kind of a big thing too, was, you know, yep. you get your Calvin and Hobbes collection or your um, far side collection. Um, my grandparents had peanuts collections from years before. Yeah. Um, I still have my Bloom County collections. Yeah, I, I do too. So I know that there are some publishers like IDW continue to do that with older stuff, like 19, yeah, but, 1987 to 1988 Bloom County. But, but like I know this if they year's still did it Funky today. Winker Bean. Yeah, yeah, go. yeah. Can you be totally depressed by reading that all but together? But again, that's the other thing is most people would just go to the internet mm-hmm. and Look find the archive archives. there. And it's really funny. Um, uh, Adri- Adriana, uh, Miss Very Very on uh, Twitter she had made a comment uh, last week uh, where she basically was like, you know, de- because of technology, a lot of movies today are screwed. Yes. And I was like, yes, that's what I've been arguing all this time. Detective movies don't work today because all the footwork can be done on the computer. You don't have to rush to a payphone to make a phone call because you've got your cell phone. In fact, you got your computer on your cell phone. You follow someone else's GPS signal. You don't have to do any real detective work. And so mm-hmm. I think technology has ruined a lot of stuff for us these days. It hasn't necessarily ruined it. It's just changed it yeah, yeah. in ways no, I where it's ruined it. That ruined. Paradigm, the paradigm has to change. Yeah. That's, that's what paradigms do. They shift. They change. Do they? I thought it was 20 cents. Well, look at it this way. When I got my first cell phone, it was, I don't know, 2000, maybe 2000, zero, zero party over whoop, out of time. No, it was 97. My wife uh, got me a cell phone. Mm-hmm. 1997. So less than 20 years ago, she got me this cell phone. Had no picture capacity. It was a little flippy dippy phone. And you could flip it. And I had like 200 minutes a month to talk. And it was yep. just, it was $9,000. 
And now I literally never answer my phone. I use my phone to futz around on the internet and tweet my friends. If you look at your battery, it's really telling when you look at your battery uh, usage on your on your phone, and it's like thirty three percent of your battery usage just because of Twitter, and twenty three percent is because of Facebook, and it's like point oh 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 one is for cellular phone calls. (laughs) Yep. You want to see? You want to hear something awesome? Check this out. If I press my phone right now, are you ready? Sure. This month, I have used. 9.7 9.7 gigabytes of cellular data. Wow. Well, I have 19. Wow. Because I sit oh, on floppy disks. There's a thing kids won't understand. Yes. Floppy disk, one megabyte of storage. Wow. <laughs> That's like what one I was frame saying, of, my of first your computer actually stored its data on a cassette tape. Uh, uh, well, uh, so I had a Sinclair, a tiny mm-hmm. Sinclair. The T99. That, yeah, yep. that you had to have a cassette player hooked up to it. A cassette player is something that had this uh, plastic magnetic strip inside of it mm-hmm. that you could use to record music on, but you could also record these weird tones coming out of your computer and store your computer program on that. And so yep. it may take 30 minutes. God forbid if your program was so large it took lo- lo- longer than 30 minutes because you'd be screwed. Yep. But you could fit one whole program on one side of a of a cassette uh, and that's how you load it on computer programs onto your, uh, onto your little computer. Do you ever play one? You put it oh, in. Oh yeah, yeah. You just play, you just play, play it. it. Yeah. Play. Like a, yeah. Scream at you. It sounds like a modem almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, we used to do that all the time. You know what else? That. Modems. Modems. Yeah. Um, just installing peripherals into, and a lot of people will do that today, but I remember installing a modem into my computer, installing a SCSI card into my computer so that I could connect a, um, um, a scanner. Those things today, you just plug them into a USB port. You didn't have to install those kinds of specialty cards. But again, I know people install specialty cards, you know, graphics cards and accelerators and whatnot into their systems today. Yep. But man, back in the day, it was like doing some kind of magic voodoo. <laughs> magic oh. voodoo. Yeah, modems, <laughs> modems crazy. Especially if you had, did you ever have the one where you actually had to dock the headset into the? Yep. You took the handset and yeah. you put it in and it, and then it would use your cell phone lines. Yeah. Not your cell phone lines. Or your actual house phone lines. Yeah, your house See, phone lines. See, I don't even know. I actually have. A landline in my house. We do too, but we hardly ever use it. We only use it because it brings down the overall cost of everything that we have by 10 bucks. That's like, throw. we'll throw in a landline. If you take a landline, we will deduct your overall bill by $10. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Yeah, I think I get like a $20 monthly credit for the landline and it costs $13. Yeah. It's, so they're yeah. actually paying they're me paying money for it. Yeah. to have a landline. Yeah, phone. they're just trying to remain relevant. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? The Clone Saga. The Clone Saga. But see, they can go pick that up. Never, oh, yeah. no, they're they're always remaking the Clone Saga. Go look at the uh, <laughs> Ultimate Universe. Oh, you know what? What's that? Gas below a dollar. Newspapers as vital parts of discourse. Mm. Clark Kent was a newspaper reporter because it was the hip happening way to be a cool crusading guy in 1939. Some people still believe in newspapers. newspapers Some people are do still believe around. in newspapers, but you know what? Newspapers do not have the circulation any longer, especially among young people, to be much more than... I, I think in a lot of ways, they're the media equivalent of buying on vinyl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And old people. Old people still read newspapers. Well, yeah, but old people are old. Yeah, look at you. All right, exactly. everybody. That wraps it up for this top five. Hey. 
what we need you to do is I'm younger than Steve and only by about two months. Um, three months. What we need you to do, listeners, is head over to Majorspoilers.com. And this is one is for old people only. Old people only. Add on to our list of things millennials wouldn't understand or they wouldn't get if you showed it to them. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, um, oh gosh, maybe it's a, no, not a waffle iron because they know that. I don't know. You guys will come up with something, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then the millennials will read it and make fun of us. And right. we'll all have a good time because everybody loves a list. You guys just go ahead and do top five. I'll just come back once you cool down. 